recording. All right, I think it's recording again, so. Because uh, I know, like, Junior hasn't, like, been able to be here for the mornings. But not only that, we're going to start picking up on work. So I'm trying to set it up that those of you that uh, go to work and you miss the morning sanctuaries, that you can come back later. I have a podcast that I used to upload them to that I, I was able to log back into it, praise the Lord. So you have, like, all the... I've broken down the book of Ephesians, First yeah. Thessalonians, some other random messages. And then uh, I wish I would have started at the beginning of Matthew, but we'll just pick it up where we're at today. But regardless, though, the like, cool thing is if you got to work, um, I'm going to put it in the campus group me that we have. Um, so like, you know, like John will be able to access it on his phone. You guys can put it on the speaker and check out the message later and stuff like that. Amen. Amen. With that being said, I want to thank God for waking me up this morning and giving me life. I'm blessed to be alive, to be a servant, to be uh, blessed, to be a blessing to others. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue where we picked up. We did the uh, new series, The King's Withdrawal. So today is part two of The King's Withdrawal. The first uh, topic that we covered was the enemies and the caution of the enemies, right? We heard about the voices, how they were hearing the voices of the prophet. They heard the voice of Jesus. They heard... Um, the voice of, I can't remember the third point, but um, we were covering Herod, all the Herod lineage, amen, and Jesus withdrawing from the people so that he wouldn't get killed before his time. He knew he was going to get killed, but it just wasn't the right timing for him to sacrifice himself. We're going to look at Matthew 14, but I want to open up with the verse in Mark 6, verse 31, then we'll pray it in and get into our main portion. But Mark chapter 6, Verse 31, the word of God reads, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning, my God, for the rest that we find in you, Lord. We have a a busy schedule, my God, whether it's just our life in general, God, life in the victory home, God, um, even our our personal goals, dreams and desires, Lord. And I pray that this morning that in the midst of us becoming exhausted, stressed, fatigued, my God, help us, Lord, not to lose heart because, my God, you promised us that the harvest is coming for those that don't lose heart and grow weary in serving you, Lord. And this morning I pray for refreshing I pray for endurance, stamina, God, to do the work you've called us to do, Lord. Help us not to lose focus on the mission, God. I ask you right now to remove me, that you would step in, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would sow seed in the hearts of your children. We thank you. We give you all the honor and glory. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. Amen. So this morning, um, we're going to look at at the next portion of the withdrawal of the king. Jesus and the disciples needed to rest. But the needs of the multitude were moving the heart of Jesus. Hello. If, if you have ever been in any type of shepherding form, I know Myra has a life group. Casey's discipled people before. Uh, Nate's starting up a life group. Uh, looking around, Greg used to do a life group. Um, Nico, of course, knows about shepherding. But you, you get to a place when it comes to your people where you're like, man, I need a rest. And then you get a phone call or you get a text or you get a, hey, do you got a minute? Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, yes, yes. But it's compassion that moves you. So 
If this is what we sign up for, leaders. Just want to throw that out there. This is what we sign up for. So it's not about you. It's not about me this morning. Now I had to straight up run away from all of you guys and move away to my, my, my land of rest. But I needed it, man. I was, I was getting pretty stretched pretty thin. You guys were getting, uh, uh, what do you call it? The light. The light. The light. I wasn't giving you the full, unle- you know, leaded. You were getting the unleaded. So I, was like, I knew that, though. I was like, I need to, I need to get some rest. But what's happening here in the portion that we're going to look at is the compassion. Um, the scripture tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. It means that his inner being was literally being stirred up. And, and we feel that. We feel that for our families. We feel that for our loved ones. If you're married, you feel that for your spouse. If you've got a children, you feel that for your kids. If you've got loved ones that aren't saved. If you've got people that you're close to. Even if it's your own brothers and sisters here on the campus. But when you sense that there is a need, there's, there's a burden that stirs up within you to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So as we look at Matthew 14, we're going to pick it up by reading verses 14 through 21. And then I'll give you guys the subtitle of our topic today. Matthew 14, 14 through 21, the Bible says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. Ain't that the easy option? Send the multitudes away, that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish, he said. Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So the, the sub... The sub point that we're reading this morning is the multitude compassion. The first sub point was the enemy's caution. Today we're talking about the multitudes and the compassion that Jesus had for them. He gave us a caution about our enemies. But today when it comes to the needs of the people, he's teaching us how to have compassion. Sister Amber did such a great message on the 4,000 and the 5,000 on Friday night. A perspective that even I myself had never really looked at how she broke it down. To where it wasn't necessarily the physical food that the disciples were to break down and give to the people as much as the spiritual food. Amen. But this morning we're going to look at it from a different perspective, which is the amazing thing about the Bible. It's a living organism and it can come alive and it's able to give life. It's the heavenly manner that God has given us to consume our spirit with. Jesus was moved with compassion for the multitude. They were like sheep who were delivered from the slaughterhouse, beat up, tore up, exhausted. And he felt bad for them. He was like, man, these people stepped out in faith to follow me. They didn't bring a lunch. Uh, they ain't no Walmarts out here. You know, ain't no, ain't no food truck. The, the, the Elotero hasn't even rolled by any, anytime soon. We need to get these guys some food, right? In Matthew 9, verse 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
You know, and that was us. We were living a life in the world without a spiritual leader. Before Christ, we were lost sheep set up for the slaughter. Uh, like, like I mentioned yesterday, at any time the devil was ready to take us out. But we weren't a threat to him. We were pawns. Anybody ever played chess before? What's the uniqueness of a pawn? They can only go one step at a time, player. And you can get took out by anybody pretty much. Front line. They're the front line. The first one. You know, they're set up in the front so that the higher ranked pieces are guarded. So it's almost like, like the armor bearer in a sense. You know what I mean? But, but they're the pawns. And we were pawns before we accepted Jesus Christ. You know that when we accepted Jesus Christ, we ranked up. You know, when you, when you, when you get the checkerboard, you get the checker all the way to the end of the board. Come on, somebody. Feels good. Huh? King me, player. Yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming back for your pieces that took my pieces. There was two times that Jesus had fed the multitudes. In Matthew 15, verse 32. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. You know, some of us are so selfish that we don't even think like that about other people. I can admit, like, I got selfish tendencies when it comes to, like, my wife. This is the difference. I'll go out, go do my thing all day, stop, give her something to eat, come back home, and be like, man, that was a good day. My wife will go out, do everything she needs to do, stop at the restaurant, get both of us something to eat, (laughs) and come back and be like, hey, I brought you something. And I'm like, oh, cool. But then when I come back, she'll be like, hey, so what, did, did you eat? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm stuffed. Okay, did you bring me anything? And I'm like, oh, no, was I supposed to? <laughs> you didn't text me that you wanted anything. But, like, that's just me. I don't, I don't like, I don't have that like her. She, come on, Nico. Somebody feel me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm bad at that. I'm, bad. I'm like a whore. I'm like, I'm like the worst husband ever. She'll bring me, like, a bottle. And she knows what I like. She's like, I got you the soda the way you like it. Took the extra pickles and the burger, and, and I got you the curly fries instead of the regular fries. I'm like, yes. And then, like, and I'm, I, I never, I don't know why, I like draw a blank. I'm like, what does she like again? Uh, I try to order her something, and I'm like, I know she doesn't, there's something she doesn't like on the burger. Was it the meat? All right, yeah, give me the burger with no meat. <laughs> then I come back, the order's all wrong, you know. But like, Jesus, I, I, I look at this here because I, I see how he said, like, not only did he want to feed them, but he's like, I want to feed them because they, they might even just pass out on their way home. I would have even thought about that. Like, I'll just go home and figure it out, bro. I don't know, man. If you fall out, you fall out. That's on you. <laughs> Jesus showed compassion on blind men, widows. He told the story of the king who had compassion on his bankrupt servants and the father who had compassion on his prodigal son. See, Jesus taught how to have a heart for people even when they mess up. Even when they're incapable, even when they can't help themselves. He also shares of compassion in the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to do something cool with this story of the Good Samaritan, like an actual project where I'm going to dress up as like a homeless guy and I'm just going to lay myself out on the street. And I'll probably have like Junior recording it just to see like, like who would actually stop and offer help or see if I'm okay. And, and then be able to like say, hey, man, you know, you're a good guy or you're a jerk. Get out of my face. Um, not going to say that. But like it's, it's crazy because I saw somebody else do this in Europe. And like 
surprisingly, about a hundred people passed him up before like one finally like walked by and was like, hey, are you okay? You know, as that's the society we live in. People just are not compassionate. Yeah. So let's look at the story in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And the word of God says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor is as yourself. He said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of clothing, wounded him, departed, and leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he, sent, he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, giving them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So there were... People that were expected to have helped this man. And then there was one that wasn't expected to help this man. And the one that wasn't expected to help this man was the one that actually helped them. Because if you know the history between Jews and Samaritans is they didn't, they didn't click. They didn't like each other. It was surprising that the Samaritan did just walk by and actually kick him. Or, or, or throw an extra punch at him. Like that's what you get, fool. You know, the Samaritan on my side, what's up? Like the, Jew, the, 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 the Levite, the priest should have been the one to stop by. But it actually says that they saw him. Like, I'm going to jump into the side, man. Forget this. That guy needs help. Like they avoided, they went around him. You know, and that's sad because unfortunately even churches today will go around the problem that they avoid. Like, like, like what I loved about what Sister Amber said when she, when she put the towel and said that we came to serve. Like, like one key thing that she said is that it's dirty. It's dirty serving because not necessarily do we get physically dirty, but emotionally you get hurt. Emotionally you get drained. It's, it's exhausting pouring in and, and, and giving of yourself. And, and especially when you don't see a return or, or you don't, you don't, you know, because we're human and, and it feels good to get like a little kudo, to get a little thank you, a, a sign of appreciation. But when you're, you're giving of your all and, and you're serving God and you don't get nothing back, it hurts. It hurts, man. Like, uh, what was that? What was I watching the other day? Somebody was talking about like, oh, uh, when me and Nico were, we were in that men's home training. It was funny because like, it was it was Pastor Rafa from uh, Denver, and he was like, man, he's like, you know, when you got that one disciple that that you've been working with, you've been sharpening them and shaping them, and he gets an opportunity to speak at the church, and and he starts giving his acclimates to everybody else but the home director. 
So the disciples was up there saying, like, I want to thank my pastor. My pastor's been there. I want to thank the brother in the home that he stood by my side. All right, now let's get into the word. And the director's sitting there like, well, I did the most work with you. Like, if it wasn't for me, bro, you wouldn't be where you're at. But like, it was funny how he said that because I felt that before. Okay, yeah, you want to thank everybody else, huh? Yeah, they didn't do nothing for you, okay? I didn't know. I didn't know. But you feel it. You feel it. And it's kind of, but you got to stay humble, right? But I'll admit, like, if I could be open and transparent, like, you feel it. You feel it, man. Because you're like, okay, I see where you're at, player. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I gave more time to you when I should have been with my kids. I was there for you when I could have took my wife out. I was there for you when I could have, you know, should have, could have, would have, all that stuff. But we feel it. Serving God and, and, and serving people is a dirty job. It's a dirty job. But we do it all for the honor and glory of the Lord. Amen. But the compassion, the compassion that we see in the story of the Good Samaritan is that the priest walked around him. The Levite walked around him. They did not have compassion. But the one who had right to be a rival to this person was the one that not only stopped, but he bandaged him up. He gave him medicine, which in those days, like oil and, and wine were comparable today to like legit over the counter prescriptions. He took him to an inn, to a place of residency. He paid him for the night and even said, if he needs to stay here longer, I'll come back and pay you. I'm good for it. You know me. Just send me the tab. Like that's above and beyond. Like, man, the dude, the dude was probably like, not even worried that he just got jumped and worried that he just got robbed because of the love of the compassion that was shown by this good Samaritan. It covered the multitude of not only the sin, but just the wound and the hurt, the, the, the loss. This is the definition of compassion. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Sympathetic. When you sympathize with somebody you, you kind of like feel their pain. You're, you're putting yourself in their shoes. You guys ever done that before? You put yourself in somebody else's shoes? That's a wake-up call. That's a wake-up call right there. I, I've been able to like grow my compassion by doing that. Because I don't, I don't, I know how my mind operates and how I can just look at somebody's situation and be like, come on, bro, get over it. But then I put myself in their shoes and I have to like, I have to consider how they were raised and I have to consider their upbringing and I have to consider the other trials and tribulations that they might have experienced leading up to the point of the where they're at and then sympathize. And then it makes a little bit more sense of why they're feeling and why they're reacting a certain way when it comes to the situation. If God shows and teaches much compassion, especially for us, then we should be willing to show it to each other. The feeling... The feeding of the 5,000 is in all four of the Gospels because it was truly a, mir a miraculous event. The disciples were given an opportunity to grow. They had 5,000 followers with them. It was time for them to eat. They looked at their inventory, which was a boy who had five loaves and two fish and their small treasury. They didn't have much at the time. It was later in the evening. They were in a desolate city. All they could think of was, Let's just send them all home. It's the easy route. Send them all home. <clears throat> we'll eat a little bit that we got. We got a little bit of money. We'll, we'll make a spread and hook ourselves up. And then they can just figure it out on their own. Like that was the disciples thinking. Selfish. Selfish. Right? Where Jesus is like, I'm the provider. You guys have seen what I can do. Just, just ask me and I'll provide for you guys. He wanted to teach them a lesson in faith and in surrenderance. He, here's the steps. That we must take in solving life's problems. Number one. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. 
Andrew found a young man who had his lunch. All right, let's go. Let's go see who's got food. Let's see who's got some food, man. You know, little Juanito right here, he's got, he's got some fish and some loaves. Bring Juanito over here. Let's see what we can do with this. Start with what you have. God begins where we are and with what we have. Isn't that how he came to us? We, we came to God broken, beat up, exhausted, lost, hurting, near dead. And, and he started with what we had. We, that was our starting point. We didn't have much. Some of us barely even had lint in our pocket. Because that's how, that's how broken and, and beat up we were. We had wounds. We had pain. We had hurt. But you know what God said? Bring all of that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to do something with that. Number two. Give what you have to Jesus. Give what you have to Jesus. I'm reminded of the woman that had the two mites. She only had a little bit to give in the offering while the people that were rich were giving minimal amounts, if that. Jesus said that when she gave of her two mites, she gave more than everybody had at that entire offering. Jesus took the simple lunch, blessed it and shared it. The miracle of the multiplication was in his hands. Little is much if God is in it. Little is much if God is in it. You might not have a lot right now. Maybe, especially in the home, you know, like that's all we try to take care of people. You know, some brothers got some new shoes. You know, I took another brother out yesterday. I helped him get some hygiene and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you guys don't really come in with much. We get donations from time to time. And I know how humbling it is to, you know, wear that donation clothes and stuff. But, you know, we got to learn to give. We got to learn to give to each other Amen. and to give to Jesus. Give to Jesus what you got. Jesus broke the bread and gave the pieces to the disciples and they in turn fed the multitudes. When we give what we have to Jesus, he has a way of multiplying it. He has a way of, of expanding it and growing it. Number three, obey what he commands. Obey what he commands. The disciples had the people sit down as Jesus ordered. They took the broken pieces and distributed them and discovered that there was plenty for everybody. See, when we get direction from God, obey what he commands to do. We, we always want to do the opposite. The flesh wants to do exactly opposite of what Jesus wants to do. The devil wants us to, to be derailed from whatever Jesus is calling us to do. And the world will, will call us foolish. For doing what Jesus wants us to do. But what does the word say? Obey what he commands. So they took the broken pieces and distributed them. And they found out that, that they were able to supply the needs of the people. As his servants, we are distributors, not manufacturers. Well, what's, what's a manufacturer? What do they do? They make. And what's a distributor do? Push out the supply. So we're distributors. We're not the manufacturers. I'm not the manufacturer here of your future, your destiny, or your purpose. But I am a distributor of it. I can distribute hope. I can distribute faith because God has given me that. Today I have consistency. Today I have the power and the authority of God. I can distribute that because he gave it to me. And you guys in turn are also distributors. You're transmitters of his word. He's given you a word and a promise. And guess what you have? You got a voice. You got a mouth. You can speak. You can teach. You can preach. You can let that word be known. If we give what we have to him, he will bless it and give it back to us 
for use in feeding others. Number four, conserve the results. That means save. Conserve the results. There were 12 baskets filled with pieces of bread and fish after the people had eaten all that they wanted. But these pieces were actually collected so that nothing was wasted. We shouldn't waste. Don't be wasteful. I don't know about you guys, man. I wasted enough. So when I get another day, guess what, man? I got to use that day to the fullest. When, when God blesses me with something, I got to use that thing to the fullest. It might not be the best. It might not be the nicest. It might not be the most popular. But whatever you get as a result, don't waste it, but conserve it. All the pieces were carefully collected so that nothing was wasted. I wonder how many of the pieces the young man took back home with him. The young man who gave. I wonder if they, they hooked him up. All right, man, little Juanito, man, you hooked it up, bro. Cheers. You know, we're going we're gonna to double, we're going to triple, we're going to quadruple what you had. And now you can go back home and feed your family. Imagine the mother's amazement when the boy told her the story. Like, like, mom, you don't, you won't believe what happened today. Yeah, I took my lunch. I went, I went, I followed Jesus. He took my lunch. I gave it to him and he multiplied it. And now I've got more. Like, you just imagine how crazy I'm all like, what, fool? Where did you go? You smoking out there? You hanging with Bobo? Let's look at John chapter 6, 26 through 27. Then we ask somebody to read that. John 6. 26 through 27. Uh, 26 and 27. John 6. Amen. Uh, he replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you? Not because you understand the magnificent signs. But don't be so so uh, concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given you the seal of His approval. Amen. It's the bread of life. Yes. It's the bread of life. These people were willing to receive the physical bread, but they would not receive the living bread, the Son of God that had came down from heaven. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was actually a sermon in action. Jesus is the bread of life, and only he can satisfy the spiritual hunger in a man's heart. How many of you guys had a spiritual hunger? Like you were seeking something spiritual, right? You knew that there was some type of force, there was some type of power. You might not have known at the time that it was God or Jesus Christ, but at some point, we all came to like, there's got to be something bigger than me. There's got to be something more, man, than, than just this, right? We had that hunger. And who satisfied it? Because did anybody try other religions or try other, other forms of spirituality? I did. Little thing called crystal methamphetamine, you know what I'm saying? Little thing called LSD and gel taps and acid. Come on, Mad Hatters and Pink Elephants. Bring it back, Brother Steven. Bring it back, bro. Ooh. <laughs> I was praying to the porcelain god, amen. Chugging that Jose Cuervo. Lord Jesus. None of that satisfied me, man. None of that brought fulfillment, but when I came to Jesus, that was the fulfillment. That was the feeling. That was the true satisfaction that I couldn't find anywhere else, but I knew that there was something more. Jesus is the bread of life. The tragedy is men waste their time and money on that which is not bread. Let's look at Isaiah 
55. And if someone could read the first seven verses, Isaiah 55, 1 through 7. Amen. Heavy. God is like rhetorical. Why are you going to go waste your money on stuff that won't feed you? I'm, I'm able to give you everything you need. I'm able to satisfy your hunger. I'm able to fulfill your emptiness. And, and I love when he says that. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. It didn't, it didn't happen exactly to David, but his son Solomon. When the queen of Sheba came all the way from a distant land just to experience the wisdom that was found in Solomon. She was a Gentile woman who blessed him with like riches beyond riches because he knew the wisdom of God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Something we all have taken advantage of or neglected at some point of our life. Because when you guys, especially it's, you know, you know when people say like, I don't want to go to church because I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm still doing this. Or I'm still doing that. I'm still drinking. Or I'm still using. Or I'm still sleeping around. And it's like, like I, get, I get the mentality. But you know what the true hypocrisy of that is? Is, is knowing that, that there is a God that you can come to that can help you and refusing to want to come to him. That's the real hypocrisy in that statement. So when you, when you hear people that make that, that statement, it's like, just come anyway, bro. You already know that he's going to help you. You already know that he can save you. It's not like you're doing anything different from the majority of the rest of the congregation that's at the church. People are still going back home and they're, they're slipping, they're falling, they're bumping their head. They're intentionally doing things they know they shouldn't be doing. You're not the only one, bro, that, that stands out. When people say like, I don't want to be a hypocrite, good. they come to church. Because hypocrisy is knowing that you can come to a place where God can change you and not going. That's real hypocrisy. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Like, like God's willing to forgive us of all of our sins. Past, present, future. Abundantly. But there needs to be a repentance. And there needs to be an attempt of changing our ways. It, is, it isn't just like, come bring me all your trash, I'll wipe it away, and then go ahead and go collect some more trash and go back to your vomit and play in the muck and mire that I delivered you from. It's a changing. Jesus still has compassion on the hungry multitudes, and he still says to his church, give them something to eat. He, he still says to the homes, give them something to eat. 
He still says to the life groups, to the evangelism teams, to the book clubs, to whatever other ministry there may be, give them something to eat. That's what ministry is, is we're feeding the people. We're feeding the souls. We're feeding the lost. We're feeding the hurt. How easy is it for us to send people away and to make excuses and to plead a lack of resources? Just send them away, it's easier. Like I've had to battle that as a director. I've had to battle that as a pastor. Just send them away, it's easier. Just, just cut them off, it's easier. Jesus asks that we give him all that we have and let him use it as he sees fit. What, what do we have that we can give to God today? Even if it's just a little bit. If you've got nothing else, guess what you do, God? You got your freedom. Yeah, yeah. Got your life. For the most part, I'm looking out. Everybody's got some form of good health. Give that to God. He can use that at the minimum. But I believe we've got more than that this morning. I believe that we got more than what we see at the surface. Amen. A hungry world is feeding on empty substitutes while we deprive them of the bread of life. That's what you got to give. The word, the promise, the truth, the way of life. We always end up with more blessings than when we started. If, if you leave with anything, man, just know that. Whatever you start with and whatever you come to God with, when you leave, you're going to have a whole lot more than that. That's true. Today, I've got a whole lot more than when I first came to God. And it's only because of Him. He gets all the honor and glory for what I have in Him today. Amen. But when it comes to compassion and it comes to the multitude, even if this is one person, just give that one person compassion. Just give compassion to the new brother in the home. Give compassion to the lost soul of the hurting person in the street. If you're, if you're uh, you know, given more privilege in the church, then show compassion to the newcomer, to the, the one that you know, like, like I spot them. I spot those, those rebels. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go after you, bro. Going after you. Because that was me. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go after that guy right there. You know, that's the beautiful thing about our ministry. We're, we already get the outcasts and the rejects, the ones that don't nobody else wants to work with. And for some reason, God has given our specific church an anointing of like people that have been hurt at other churches and ministries, even within Victory Outreach as well, that come to our church. For, I don't know why God leads them here. But me and my wife have come to the point where like, all right, cool. Well, they're being brought here for a reason. Let's love them. Let's 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 encourage them. Let's exhort them so that they come back to a place of serving God. But it would be easier to just send them away, right? Ah, man, just, you know, nothing different than our church, man. Just, just go to some other one, you know. Uh, you got so much problems, and, and, and I, don't, I don't got time for you, bro. Just, just go somewhere else. And that's why we don't ever allow you guys to tell us, what do we want to bother you? Because I know you're so busy. Shut up. <laughs> cop out. It's a cop out. We're not that busy, man. Like, we'll make time for you. This is what we signed up for. This is what we're here for. It's to love, to build, and to redeem through the power of Jesus Christ. We want to see people get restored. We want to see people, you know, become all that they have been called to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. 